Thank you for listening to Ivy Podcast, where we feature weekly leadership conversations with thought leaders and industry experts. Now, here is your host, John Karsibayev. Hi, I'm Marianne Donovan. I'm the president of Impact Personnel here in Westport, Connecticut. Marianne, thanks so much for making time to join us on the Ivy Podcast today. Before we dive into your current role, the current organization, give us a thumbnail version of your career to date. So I started this company in the late 80s uh, when really permanent agencies were known. The world of temps was not as much. We used to have to explain to clients what a temporary employee meant, contract employee. Fast forward 30 something years, of course, contractors are considered um, part of the workforce now, temporary workforce. Uh, we've done, we do a little bit of everything. We're a boutique firm. We place sales, marketing, human resources, finance professionals, both in temporary and contract and then permanent positions. Well, that's super exciting. So you've seen the industry go through all different trends and cycles. Um, which leads me to the further point I want to ask you in terms of the current trends in talent acquisition, staffing and recruiting space. What are you mostly excited about? What are you observing? What do you think is kind of the next wave of what to expect in the space? Yeah, and that that's a timely question for sure. So talent acquisition has changed so, so much. I've seen four recessions in my time having my business. Um, 2009-10 was the clearly the worst. Last year, I thought with COVID, it would would have been terrible, but it actually was not. Um, so, so that was my biggest surprise was that companies, yep, everyone shut down for a little bit, but then work from home just took over. We ship or our clients ship laptops to our contractors and they work. Um, we've placed many permanent employees who have not still have not met their bosses in person and it's fine. It, it's working. So the whole world of talent acquisition and talent retention has absolutely changed probably the most since I've started my business. Yeah, absolutely. can definitely imagine. And with this current market, such a candidate driven environment with especially, you know, for me, technology, just coming from a very technical background and experience, I see a lot of different organizations struggle in a sense, being able to find, uh, you know, very niche, you know, yeah. talent, especially in technology. What a, you know, so you've partnered with organizations, I would imagine, different size, different industries. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of your strategies that really help you help your clients build that culture of innovation through some of, uh, you know, very exceptional candidates that you help them find? So we try, we serve as a consultant to our clients. Obviously, we're there to facilitate hiring, but part of that is retention as well and, and attracting the best, like you said, and it's a really tough market right now. So as far as acquiring talent, we talk to our clients about what the candidates want. And I always say to my clients, we're the voice of the market. I'm just, I'm telling you what, what's being told to me. And that's all I do all day long. So we know we have a pulse on the market. What candidates want right now is flexibility. They don't need to be remote 100% of those, some do, but most people want some flex in their work life. And that's that was prevalent before COVID, but the reality of COVID is that now 
companies have seen it and candidates have gotten a taste of what, like somebody said to me the other day, I like starting my dinner at four o'clock, you know, prepping. And then I work till six and dinner's on the table at 6.30. So you didn't have that ability to do that when you were commuting. So things like that. So we try to educate our clients to work with their candidates, uh, providing that type of thing. We just placed somebody a few weeks ago, actually it was a contract to hire, uh, the woman is in the benefits field and the, she said, I'm only accepting the job if I can work in Florida four months a year. And this is a, this is a place that I never thought would budge and they budge because they wanted her. So it, it really is to your point, when you're looking for top talent in hard to find niche industries or niche jobs, I think you have to flex. Right, right, absolutely. So you've touched upon briefly on the further topic I want to cover with you, the kind of that quote unquote war on retention out there mm -hmm. with, you know, organizations, a lot of them, you know, at the end of the day with so much opportunity available out there, uh, candidates mm -hmm. are prone to explore other opportunities as absolutely. well as other companies reaching out. Um, what are some of your practical recommendations that you provide to your client companies when it comes to building an environment of, you know, high retention where the mm -hmm. employees feel, you know, fully engaged, challenged, and there's a lot of growth opportunities. How do you go about that? How do you think about it? I think the word that's come out of this pandemic is trust. That's what I hear most often from unhappy candidates. My employer doesn't trust me. I have to go in. I had to go in last year and he or she, my bosses didn't wear masks and I felt unsafe. My family was, um, then, I, then I felt like. So those are the people who have their resumes out so quickly. Uh, candidates are obviously being propositioned by outside external recruiters, internal recruiters all the time. So communication and trust are the, are the top two. Staying in touch with your employees, finding out what they really want, what they value. And again, there's this, and I hear it more, and this is stereotypical from the older generation saying, you know, candidates, they don't want to come to the office. No, most of my candidates are willing to go to the office. They, they are fine going to the office, but they don't want to be there five days a week. Or we recently had someone who said, I need to leave occasionally at four o'clock to watch my son's soccer game. And in this particular case, the client said, no, we're not going to allow that. And they lost the candidate and she was a good candidate. So, and this woman knows she can go elsewhere. And, and as we all know, it's supply and demand. And right now it's a candidate driven market. Will it change? Yes. But, but when and at what cost to your organization if you wait until it changes? Right, right, right. Absolutely. We could probably talk about this particular area for the rest of the episode because it's such an interesting space. Um, but on the it's other spectrum, fascinating. yeah, right, absolutely. And very challenging as well. Um, speaking of challenging, the other area that's, you know, very um, fascinating to me is the whole space of interviewing. I have yet to meet anybody who's really good at interviewing. It's it's a, it's art and <laughs> science combination. And um, unless yeah. you build that muscle in terms of constantly interviewing and for a lot of executives, it's probably, you know, it's not like they do that every day, uh, but at the same time, yeah. it's the highest priority item because you think about surrounding yourself with the top performance 24 seven, whether you are actively recruiting or not. So when it comes to interviewing, uh, just, you represent both sides of the spectrum, right? You deal with the candidates mm -hmm. and you also deal with the hiring managers. 
how do you prepare both sides? How do you make sure that both are well prepared, setting the right expectations? And how do you increase your batting average when it comes to interviewing? Right. So to me, in, in our world, it's all about culture fit. I, I always say anybody can say, oh, five years of accounting experience and Excel, et cetera. Oh, I have those five years and you know, a machine can pop that out, obviously, and make a hire as some people try to do, but, but that's not how you make placements, not successful placements. Successful placements are made by finding out the first, the client or the, the corporation's culture and, and speaking to the hiring manager is most helpful. What do you need to round out your team? What are you lacking? What's the, what are the key points for this job beside what's written on that piece of paper that most companies send me? I don't want you just to send me a piece of paper. I need to speak with somebody. And then matching that to what the candidate is looking for. And again, that goes much deeper than a resume. It's what, what you want. Right now, it's, it's all about work-life balance. Um, but what, what kind of working style do you prefer? If you go to a hedge fund versus an old-fashioned type of company, the person who's come, been 10 years at a, at a fast-paced hedge fund probably isn't going to be happy at a municipality. So it's, it's finding out those types of things. What the highlights for each person, meaning company and or candidate, and then matching those together. And there's a place for everyone. It's just finding the right one. Right. And then, of course, I'll, I'll interject, though. Of course, then you have to you have to hit the mark on salary. So it, of course, has to match. And then the other thing that's become incredibly important in the last, I'd say, 10 years are benefits. We used to place people, nobody, they, we'd say, yep, they have benefits. You'd say, great, and off you'd go. But benefits are key now. And we've we lose deals or candidates because of poor benefits from the company. Mm -hmm. People right. know how to cost it out now. They're smart, as they yeah. should be. Of course, of course, absolutely. With so much opportunity out there, it makes sense. Um, when it comes, you know, from the interviewing perspective, I, I was just talking to an executive yesterday, and he made a point that a lot of the interviewing is so subjective based on that past experience, which mm -hmm. is very flawed in the sense, instead of focusing on the strength that's missing on your team and really try to focus on that versus what is the weakness that we can tolerate in that particular candidate. So I thought that was a very unique, you know, that is. Your, that your is. thought process when it comes to, you know, interviewing and talking to the candidates, especially using that very short, you know, framework to be able to make that judgment of whether it's a good fit or not. I think mm -hmm. it's, it's always, always challenging. Um, the other side of that we've seen a great emergence through, you know, pandemic and coming out of that is, um, and it's been on the, on the rise the last couple of years as well, the future of work mm -hmm. um, when it comes to, you know, collaboration and how people work and interact with each other uh, with the insurgence of the remote workforce as well. So from contractor, consultant, contingent mm -hmm. worker perspective, well, how, share with us your thoughts on the overall concept of future of work. Where do you see this going? How's this impacting the market and so forth? I don't think the contract market is going away. I think it is going to, in fact, increase because the flexibility gives the corporation and the candidates. So I have candidates who will go out, they'll do a six-month, eight-month stint, then they might go away for a month, come back, do something else. As far as the person joining sort of the culture and, and the innovation process, I think it's helpful. And my clients will tell me the same because you're bringing someone from the outside in who maybe doesn't have as much of a vested interest. And I mean that in a positive light. 
because they're not looking to be promoted. They're not looking for the next gig to impress the CEO. They, well, they're looking for a gig, but they're looking to do the best job for the company at the time. They, they have sort of a finite job in front of them that they're, they're being paid to execute. So my contractors tell me they feel they can be more honest in these situations. And so what? They provide a crazy idea and it, it's not going to affect them being promoted. They're, they're still being paid to do this project. And then what they also bring is diversity. And diversity of thought is a big, we, we're all talking about diversity now. But I think companies are short-sighted when they only want someone out of their own industry. Obviously, there are you know, certain rules around that where you have to have industry. But in the most part, if you're a marketing professional or human resources professional, and let's say you've been in hospitality 20 years, um, why wouldn't the CPG client hire you out of hospitality instead of saying, no, 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 we have to have CPG? Because you're going to learn things in a different manner. And you, again, you get diversity of their industry coming into your industry. So you find different ways of doing things through innovation. Instead of the old adage in screening resumes was what you were referring to before, the gentleman you were speaking with, past performance indicates future performance which is kind of how we look at it. Okay, 20 years in hospitality. Oh, this person has to stay in hospitality. No, he or she does not. The person knows his or her marketing or HR or whatever it is. Take the positive strengths and bring them into your organization and it will help your organization become more innovative and grow. Right, right, right. Absolutely. You know, I think it's, a, it's definitely, a, you know, I see a lot of different trends that, um, and I've been a contractor myself, a consultant for you right, know, yeah. your organization. So I, I, it definitely resonates with everything that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. um, in, in terms of the, especially in your space, what you specialize in, what you recruit for, what are some of the skill sets that are very niche, that are very hard to find? And how do you go about actually, you know, sourcing and trying to help the organizations find very unique talent? Well, right now, just, just off the top of my head, we're working on a labor relations human resources job. So those are tough, one, because fewer people have that skill set. And secondly, uh, a lot of the people don't want to do it. It's tedious. It's hard work. So that's a tough one. The other piece um, in my human resources practice right now, or anything with compensation is hard because, again, uh, harder to find individuals with that skill set. What we do is what we've always done. Um, of course, every recruiter uses LinkedIn, but, but a lot of it is behind the scenes. It's networking, it's thinking before dialing or, or emailing and saying, okay, where does this person sit that I want to hire you know, for my client? Like what industry would be best? What kind of company has this person? And that's where we, we have that skill set because we do this all day long day in and day out. So we know where the best people are in, let's say comp or where the labor relations people sit who would work best for my client. And then, then we go in that way and either um, you know, recruit them or we have them in our database, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Right, 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 absolutely. No, there's definitely a lot of different strategies that uh, you could implement in terms of getting yourself exposed to where that type of talent actually, you know, operates or resides and so forth. Exactly. Um, so I think it's, you know, those are very interesting strategies from that perspective. Um, when it comes to kind of the, so you've, you've had your company for, for quite a few years now mm -hmm. um, for anyone considering getting into staffing, recruiting or executive mm -hmm. search, 
uh, or even for yourself, what, what advice would you give to, I guess, a younger version of Marianne, 24 right, right. year old, right out of college, thinking yeah. about career in this space? What, 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 what do you wish you knew uh, then? Um, well, it's different. It's certainly different. Obviously, it's changed. When the internet hit, I remember people saying, our monster, oh, that's going to put your business to an end. You're, you're going to be gone. And of course, that's not happened. And we, we are not going out of business. Our industry, we're needed. We work on many confidential openings as well. So if you need to terminate someone, you need the replacement to start. You terminate Friday, you need my person to start Monday. You can't do that yourselves, obviously. Um, I, I guess I would still, I would say to the person going in who's 25, to, I, I still recommend the industry. I think it's a fun industry. It's an interesting industry because you learn a little bit about so many different things. So gee, I'm almost like a contractor myself. When you said that, it resonated with me because we, we dive in, we do a little bit, and then we go on to something else. But, but all that information, that it, it's so, I find it fascinating. We deal with anyone from like a two-person law firm to Fortune 50 companies. So, and you're, you're meeting so many unique people. Um, I guess my, my advice would be to, if, if you enjoy, if you naturally do, what I do, which is to, when you look at somebody, you say, oh, this person would be great. Even if you're not in the industry or um, your friend is selling a condo and you know someone who would be interested in the condo, it's, it's all about the match. Like, like that's what I find fun. If, mm -hmm. you, if you don't find that fun, it's probably not the right industry for you. And if you're not a people person, um, again, probably not the right, you can't hide behind email in this business, that's for sure. When we started, we had a phone. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. So you 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 mentioned it's people business, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that comes with a set of challenges. What's yeah. the other side of the coin, the other side of the spectrum when it comes to the challenges of this industry? What what are you dealing with on day to day basis? That, right, right. That's, well, uh, and I would say, the 25 year old, don't come into this business if you can't handle. I've said for years, the highs are so high and the lows are so low. So you have a candidate, maybe you've placed and um, three weeks later, they're going to start on Monday morning and Sunday night, they call and say, I'm not starting. Does that happen often? No, but it does happen. And now you have to tell the client, first of all, your person's not starting. Secondly, you as a recruiter are not getting paid. Um, it, it, sometimes you, you hear a lot about ghosting. Uh, that's a little bit of it too. People, you know, I say to Kenny, just be honest with me. I'm not going to yell at you. It's just, you know, just be honest. Tell me what you're thinking. So that's, that's a big downside. And, and I think when you're 25 or 22, the hardest thing to remember is that you're working with people on both sides. So people, people are not widgets. People have brains and emotions and families. So you can't, all the selling courses in the world are not going to make you successful in this business because people still do what people want to do. The way I look at it is I want to bring out the best for both. I, I want the client to get the best person, the, the person to get the best job, meaning I can present the positive on both sides. Mr. Client, here's what you know this person brings, we were talking about lip before, um, in spite of the maybe the weaknesses. And then to the candidate, here's what the company brings. But if the candidate says to me, oh my gosh, the, like I can't, um, I have a diabetic child and the benefits here will never pay. For, you can't get around things like that. It, there are certain sort of deal breakers. So that's right. how it goes. You, you have to be able to move on and not sort of just get over it and, and find the next person. Mm -hmm. 
Right, right, right. No, absolutely. I think that's, you, you know, it's spot on, especially when it comes to, you know, people business. It's a lot of unknowns. It's a lot absolutely. Of, out of your control. Yes. That's so very hard to predict, very hard to, you know, manage. Mm-hmm. And I think what you're talking about is just basically being fully transparent about things, uh, being, you know, in a sense, very open and open to criticisms as well from feedback standpoint. Right. So that's very interesting uh, environment. When as far as your content diet, in terms of what do you consume on a daily basis to mm-hmm. keep yourself abreast of yeah. all the things going on in the industry, share with us your sources. Um, with the usual, obviously, reading the newspaper and that kind of thing. I belong to the Women's President Organization, the WPO, which is a worldwide peer-to-peer advisory group for entre- entrepreneurial women. So that's a great source. We meet once a month, but we're in touch during the month as well. We have different topics. So that's been a big source of help for me. I think I've been involved there about 15 years I've been a member. Um, but I read, I, I'm a big reader anyway. So like I just started Adam Grant's new book, um, Think Again. I have a, a book, it's, I have it right here, Atomic Habits that I just picked up because it looked interesting. And oh, James I, Clear, I, right? what's that? James Clear. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, have, really, have we, I started have, reading it too. Are you reading it too? Yeah. That's a riot. So I laugh at myself because of course, how many books like this have I read? But it still gives you, um, you know, reinforcement and sometimes motivates you to look at something differently. For so sure. I, again, I'm a big reader. I love reading memoirs because I, and it's, I, it sort of ties into what I do for a living because mm-hmm. I'm curious about people's personal lives. That's why I like memoirs. Um, I just finished Erin French about opening a restaurant and uh, she has a restaurant in Maine. I think it's called Freedom. Fascinating book. But it just, I, and obviously anyone who's an entrepreneur is that's interesting but i just find memoirs interesting because people's lives again right right. i love these recommendations uh and you know in terms of books these days it's i find it challenging to find a book that i could actually finish all the way through because a lot of that probably could be condensed to you know a couple of articles right right yes Um, but uh it's always interesting to to hear different recommendations you know you talking about memoirs and entrepreneurship track which is you know resonates mm-hmm. on so many levels with me right if you were to pick one book that you always recommend to others what, what would that be and why is that oh for business um oh that's anything a tough one um i mean years ago i read the four agreements that was that comes to mind that's a big one um i think following your moral compass like I know I have through my career and I always say I sleep at night and so that would be one that just popped into my mind um no those are great recommendations and for our listeners we'll make those available in the show notes uh and I'll I'll leave you with one recommendation that uh Mm -hmm. I just finished it's um the book called the the mental toughness handbook okay uh it's uh I can't remember the author but I thought it was pretty cool. It was an easy read and he gives a lot of actual exercises that you could do on a daily basis in terms of, for me, mental fitness, mental toughness is, um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm all about that. I I love the whole subject. So it's, uh, I thought that book was pretty cool. It's actually the only book that I finished, you know, from the beginning (laughs) to the end. Well, that's an endorsement. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And you do have to be tough to be an entrepreneur that we know. I mean, that's absolutely true. 
Yeah, the other one we, in terms of entrepreneurship is uh, the hard thing about the hard things uh, mm-hmm. by Ben Horowitz. That one is a Bible. I, I have that on my desk 24-7. Yeah. I always reference that. It's some of the things he's gone through and he's one of the most successful venture capitalists out there. And it's a, it's a great recommendation. It's one all-time highs. So oh, I don't think I know that one. So. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Marianne, can thank you enough for your time. It's You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Insightful conversation. I personally learned quite a bit. What I love doing with a lot of guests is do another episode in about a year where we revisit the conversation from a year ago, see if everything we've talked about still applies. So I'm definitely looking forward to doing that with you as well. Especially this particular year. That would be fascinating. I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. So thanks so much for your time. You're welcome. Thanks, John. Thank you for listening to the Ivy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our RSS feed on ivypodcast.com and all major podcasting platforms like Spotify and iTunes. As always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a rating on iTunes.